Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. Today is our final guest episode of the Women's Empowerment mini-series, and I am so grateful and humbled by this experience, getting to chat with so many incredible and inspiring and empowering women, um, not the least of whom is today's guest, Renee Deneen. Uh, I am like honored and privileged to have gotten to uh, share the microphone with her today. Um, And I'm so excited to bring you this episode. Um, We talk about roles, relationships, and rituals for women and what that means. Um, We talk about not ever invalidating any part of you and kind of the way that you know, Renee and I and a million other women have to deal with that and, and, and learning to identify what are the pieces of you that you have chosen versus the pieces of you that you've just kind of fallen into and let other people identify for you. Um, showing up fully and authentically uh, and taking care of yourself so that you can bring your best self to the table, your best, most most authentic, truest self. Um, So I am absolutely thrilled to have this episode out today to you guys. Um, Also, don't forget to head on over to my Instagram page, at Liz Without a Pillow. We are doing a holiday gift giveaway. It started yesterday and it's going through next week. Um, the gifts are a life coaching call, a desire mapping session, an hour tidying uh, strategy session, a mini spiritual guidance reading, a copy or two of uh, Renee's book, our guest today, um, co-authored the book, The Art and Truth of Transformation for Women, um, $150 gift card to a photography session if you're in the New England area, and a guide to stop nighttime overeating. Every single one of these women who are offering these gifts, every single one of these gifts felt so in line to me with 2020. Um, you know, for photography, falling in love with yourself and, and wanting to create a memory um, of, of you in this moment and feeling beautiful and, and having someone else kind of show you your beauty. The tidying strategy session just about minimizing and does this spark joy Um, the desire mapping and the life coaching, the spiritual reading, kind of getting a sense for what's going on beneath the surface. Um, You know, where is the trauma? Where is the direction I'm heading? What do I want? What do I choose? Um, Stopping nighttime overeating, uh, you know, really getting down and dirty with, again, that trauma. You know, what exactly is the root of this emotional eating and maybe it's coronavirus but maybe there's a lot more to it than that for all of us um so i hope that you see the benefit in each of these gifts uh as i have seen um i'm so excited to bring them to you if you are looking to invest in your health and wellness in 2021 um which if you are here you probably are just head on over to my instagram page at liz without a pillow Uh, and I hope you love this episode. If you do, please like, subscribe, comment, review, um, and follow me on Instagram at Liz without a pillow. Renee is at Renee M. Deneem, uh, and I will tag her and her websites in the show notes. I will see you guys on the other side. Thank you so much for being here. 
Hi, friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast, hosted by Liz Basil Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. It is our women's empowerment mini series, and I've got a friend of a friend here, another connection that I made through the wonderful internet and the world of Instagram. Um, Renee, I'm so excited to have you here today. You have such an awesome rap sheet, and I cannot wait for you to inspire some of the women and and even the men listening here today. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hello, everybody. Really excited to be here and in the energy of Liz and just to be um, one of the many voices that really are illuminating her work in the world. So thank you for that. Um, Gosh, who am I? Uh, Well, first and foremost, my name is Renee. Um, My family and I live in California uh, in the town of Sacramento. And I have my own um, global boutique consulting firm where I support global clients with coaching, consulting, and transformational leadership events. Um, I don't know, what makes me a little bit different in that space um, is really that my hope and what I think that I'm able to do is really inspire leaders and teams to develop and grow while retaining their humanity and authenticity, you know, even when things get really hard. Um, And so that really is an emphasis for me because what I'm really up to in the world is to help people live with more purpose, joy, and grace. Um, I spent 20 years um, in high tech and biotech, including five years living and working overseas. And um, it was an incredible experience. 15 of those years I was in the, the, the biotech and pharmaceutical industry working internationally. And I loved it, but I was so tired. Uh, literally most, most days my bones ached and I had a young family. And so five years ago, I started my own practice and I've been doing some writing and some speaking. I did a TEDx talk earlier this year. Um, and you know, maybe most importantly, I'm just living with more balance and more intention um, and more presence in my day-to-day life and um, really thoroughly enjoying my children who are 13 and 15 and my husband um, and our love for travel. And it's obviously died down this year, but Um, what we look forward to most is getting back out there in the world. And I just started doing some podcasting. And so thank you, Liz, for inviting me. And I look forward to seeing what comes out of the conversation as well. Fantastic. Renee, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I mean, there's so much about your story that I think people will really love to hear about and see. And, and it was, you know, women like you sharing their stories of stepping outside of our traditional roles and, you know, what was pretty much expected of us as women and as humans, um, you know, for however many centuries and, and, you know, generations and, really deciding to to choose our future that we don't have to just fall into you know what's expected of us that's it's not necessary anymore and and that it you know we can choose what we want to do for more than just money for more than just joy there's so many justs that kind of keep us back and and keep us contained in these small boxes and we're also multifaceted um 
So it's just really inspiring to see, to see and to hear um, women doing it, just to, to show us that we can. Absolutely. And I'm sure it'll be teased out in the story, but you know, I'm a doer like the best of them. In fact, I call myself a doing addict. It's my addiction of choice. And uh, it'll always be um, something I'm working with. Um, but, you know, I think in the last few years in particular, I finally feel like, you know, I have my doing life versus it having me. And I can't tell you how freeing that is just to know that I'm, you know, not um, being ruled by my addiction or my need to please or my need to achieve, but I can truly step into, you know, the roles that I play and the relationships that I have and the rituals that I've created in my life with, with ease and freedom and joy and choice. Um, so that is my daily work. <laughs> and I hope that I can illuminate that a little bit more today, but just important to know, I haven't got it all figured out, but I'm, I'm, I'm in a good way. And I hope I can bring some of that kind of recovery story to your audience. Fantastic. Yes. Okay. So a perfect segue um, for what we want to talk about today. Um, so you have, like you said, recently in the last five years kind of shifted gears and now you are able to write, to speak, to talk about what you've learned throughout your life. And that's exactly what I want to do here today is kind of just shine a little spotlight onto a couple of things that you've learned, a couple of lessons um, that you've learned and, and illuminate it for you know, people just like you, just like me, just like everybody everywhere that is addicted to something. And whether it's like you said, people pleasing or doing, staying busy, keeping that calendar booked up. There's so many things that we do that are just not for us at the end of the day. Um, and you were telling me in our last conversation that one of the ways that you've been able to do that now um, is through creating this kind of uh, retreat and the safe space and a community for women. Um, and one of the main things that you were telling me about that you talk about is the roles, relationships and rituals um, and the way that it's kind of you've learned that those elements have impacted you in your journey. Um, so I'd love to hear more about that and kind of use that uh, as our first stepping stone for this conversation. Super. I love that. So I, uh, I do do women's work. I've been doing women's leadership work for several years. And um, I, <laughs> I remember early in my journey doing that work that um, a, a really a soul sister, a friend, a colleague of mine said, you know, it seems fun, it seems exciting, it seems like the right thing to do, but once you lay your stake in the ground, it's also really hard. And she was right. Um, it's hard to, to choose any sort of activism or cause or to call out any sort of disparity, right, or inequality or injustice. And so my early work was around around gender. But what I quickly realized is, at least in my own life, you know, I was raised with a, a very masculine father, a very masculine mother, and I, and I played and worked in masculine worlds. I had three older brothers. And so I was quite comfortable in my, in my masculine. And I think at times demonstrated those qualities of, of the masculine pretty skillfully. However, what I realized as I started to do the gender work is that what I was seeing more um, blatantly in some ways and actually more nuanced in others was not a uh, any more a, a true um, sort of gender discrimination, right? I didn't see men or women um, playing the same 
games or sort of stuck in the same old mindsets and habits that we were in the 70s and 80s and 90s, right? So we were making progress. Um, but what I still found is that we, in many cases, overvalued the masculine at the expense of the feminine. And I say that for both men and women, and I say it for organizations. There are qualities or traits that are more maybe um, attributed to gender, but in general, I think what we're fighting for is a balance in how we show up and how we you know, simply can be in the world and that qualities such as competition when it's needed are valued, but equally collaboration is valued, you know. Um, qualities such as being assertive, valued, they have their place, but so does empathy. Um, and so I really started to shift my work in this space around women's work to the journey of the feminine and helping women step into their full power and empowering other women to do the same, um, you know, by choosing to to balance and to value both. And so that's where I think initially this idea of, so what are the roles, relationships and rituals that define our femininity today? Um, and I do a women's retreat in Costa Rica. And then I also do mother daughter work and um, young daughters as young as nine up to 18, where they can have an intimate experience with their moms and really start to see each other as you know whole human beings um, and start to love each other in ways that are conducive to you know, each of them and who they are, but also, you know, in the roles and the relationships and, and even rituals of our young children, right? Like there is a rhythm and that's when I say ritual, I mean a rhythm of something that is honored, something that is repeated, right? That grounds us, anchors us, defines us. Um, so that's the context just to give a little background on those three words. And so feel free to sort of dive into any of those or anything I've said so far. I, I hope that kind of lays the groundwork for, for a more, inclusive conversation. Yes, absolutely does. Um, you know, it's, there's so much there when we start to kind of uncover those layers of our truth. And when we are just, I think, saying, you know, there's gender discrimination or women aren't affected in the household or in corporations or whatever, not necessarily respected, but aren't um, valued for what they actually bring. You know, we, it seems that we are so different that women are this way and men are that way, but it's just not that simple. There are layers to each of us. We are all very distinctly different and we bring different strengths and weaknesses to the table. And if we were treated as such, you know, and if we were able to see in ourself our own strengths and weaknesses, we would be able to capitalize on the strengths um, and, you know, downplay the weaknesses or, or build on them and grow them so that they don't feel, you know, as uh, vulnerable to us. Mm -hmm. Vulnerable in the negative, not in the way that I typically use vulnerable, which is the most wonderful possible thing. <laughs> I know it is, it is a favorite word of mine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I love this, you know, this emphasis on, on the truth and on, you know, valuing and stepping into your full truth. Um, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. So yes, thank you for that introduction. You're welcome. And maybe one other thing that's interesting is as I came out of my corporate world, my corporate identity, right, all the people, places, and roles um, that I had become good at and had really shaped my identity as a professional and as a woman, um, in a, you know, in a world where, uh, you know, my contributions could be endless. But I remember someone saying to me that while I had well 
defined and anchored masculine traits. It was never at the expense of my feminine. And a man told me that. And at first I can see that person standing in front of me right now. And I remember thinking, what is, I don't even know what he's talking about, right? Cause it wasn't <laughs> intentional. Like I didn't like wake up in the morning and okay, Renee, remember to be both masculine and feminine, right? But somehow I didn't lose myself. And this was around the time that Sheryl Sandberg's book came out, Lean In and all of that. And um, so I was able to sort of tap into some, you know, material and, and research out there around the topic. But I just found that really, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's unique. And I wonder if I have something to teach in that space, because what I can say is that anytime that we forego, give up, dilute, erase, um, invalidate, a core part of us, whether it be our masculine or our feminine or a specific trait, um, you know, we, we minimize our impact. You know, that's, that's the sort of like synthesized outcome, right? We minimize our impact and we feel like crud um, about ourselves and our, and others around us as well. So, you know, it doesn't, it's a lose-lose. It's a lose-lose. Right. We lose out on the gifts of others. We lose out on that. And, and you, the individual who is downplaying yourself, loses out on the fulfillment. And like you said, you know, the freedom and the joy uh, and the cho really the choice, all of these wonderful things that come from living in your truth and stepping in your power. Um, yeah, fantastic. Um, so all right, so that's a little bit on kind of what roles, rituals, and uh, relationships mean. Can we kind of unpack a little bit more um, specifically, I guess, I guess kind of like walk us through a little bit about how you help women to kind of, um, I guess how you like define them a little bit more deep. I, I don't really, you, do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I'm yeah. having a hard time asking it. <laughs> well, let's dive in together to each and, and um, you know, this language, it's a language, right? It's not a science. Right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, what I would say first and foremost is, um, is to define those things for yourself. You know, that's, that's the kind of first empowering action we can take is to sort of step back and look at the whole of our lives and what roles are we playing? You know, what, what is the health and well-being and enrichment of our relationships? How do we play, you know, in that? Do we give more than we take? Um, do we hold back, you know, all of that? And then the rituals to me is about um, self-care, right? It's about compassion. It's about gratitude. It's about, um, girlfriend time for me, right? Every quarter I have a few days with, um, you know, some of my closest friends. Um, it's about retreating. You know, I take at least one, I host three, but I'd like to also just participate in one a year. So that's a little bit about the rituals, but I'm happy to go into each of those in detail. And um, maybe, you know, this could be a mutual sharing of those as well. We're from um, two different generations. So I know that most of your audience is kind of in the range, but um, I think I'm probably on the older end and you're on the younger end. So let's, let's play with it. Yeah, amazing. That would be really helpful, I think, for me and probably for listeners as well. Yeah. Um, so roles. So um, for myself, I, I'm a mother, right? I'm a wife, those traditional roles. I'm a coach. I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. Um, I'm a sister, um, but the ones for, you know, those are the ones I, I've, I claimed and I claimed early and I would say are also where I am most um, challenged and developed spiritually, 
right? In those roles, those roles with those people in my life that are um, the most important to me. Um, and there's a sort of, you know, group that doesn't change. And then there is new, usually women that emerge in my life, you know, that become really important. And we find ways to maybe we're collaborators or thought partners or whatever that might be. I think in a professional sense, you know, I'm actually in the midst of what I'm calling chapter three, um, my first chapter being my corporate life, right? I was the head of organizational development. I was a, a, a female executive, right? I was an expat. I was a um, global change agent, right? Like those roles were defined almost for me, but about me and I took them in and it helped shape my identity. Um, I think in chapter two of my professional life was more about being a thought leader, right? Being a writer, being a true coach, um, and even being a healer. You know, that I even say that one now, and I think who am I to call myself that? But I know that I have offered that as, a, you know, I've been in service to that call um, spiritually and relationally. Um, and then, you know, as I look at chapter three, you know, it's still fussy to me, but I know that there are new roles for me that I haven't yet played but that in my greatest sense of desire and, and when I'm really open and vulnerable and I'm you know, really responding to the call, I know there are other roles out there and roles that will you know, challenge me, but will enrich me. You know, roles that will be um, you know, part, I can pull from identities and roles I've played before and in other ways, you know, I need to make space for them um, because they're asking more from me than I currently have to give. So this idea of roles to me is, yes, it anchors us, but it also is dynamic. And, you know, in my own journey, it's just being open to those roles and therefore those identities to grow, you know, emerge, develop, expand, and change over time. And I'm just being opening to the possibility that we are not ever finished <laughs> uh, is empowering. Um, it keeps me awake in my life. It keeps me enlivened. Um, it, it keeps me happy um, and inspired. Yeah, that that final bit is a, a big one for me. Personally, that's a lesson that I just keep learning over and over again these last few years as you know, my journey has kind of just begun is that, you know, the moment that you start to get complacent, the moment that you think that you know everything that there is to know, that's kind of the moment that you stop growing, you know, for that season or whatever. Like, as long as you are a little bit hungry to make yourself better, to enrich your life, to learn something new, and it doesn't have to be a new language or a new, you know, career or a new hobby. It can be reading a book. It can be reading an article. It can be just something tiny to let yourself be reminded that, you know, it is empowering to see yourself finish that book, or it is empowering to see yourself finish that, uh, you know, that course or that meditation or whatever that one good thing is that, that grounds you, but also that empowers you. Um, it, it is dynamic and it is changing, you know, all of the time throughout our life. Um, I loved what you, uh, what you said about looking at life as 
as chapters, um, you know, really kind of noticing the chapters and acknowledging them because that's that, that dynamicness, right? That fluidity of life is like, we are ever changing. So why would our, our role stay the same forever? Mm -hmm. uh, I was at my little brother graduated um, from college last year um, and I had just gotten home from traveling for uh, a couple of months. It was my second time traveling for a few months and I, I got home, you know, about a week before and I was really still up in the air about what I was going to do next. Um, and I ended up really getting clear on that I was going to start the podcast, like not even three weeks after this, but there was... Um, an older lady at the graduation uh, whom my mom and I just happened to start talking to. She was, you know, guiding people to their seats. She was ushering people. And she said that, you know, you don't have to figure it out right now. Life is just full of chapters and you just, you know, if this chapter is a really short one, that's okay. And if it ends up being a long one, that's okay too. But it really was, it was such a, an important lesson that I kind of was on my way to learning at that point, but just hearing it be spoken, it was so much clearer that whatever I end up doing, if it doesn't work out, it's, it's not at all the end of the world. It's, mm -hmm. it's always, it can always just be the beginning. Absolutely. And, you know, I think for me, this, this category of roles is really where I get to expand as a human being, right? I get to expand or change my identity, my, my sense of worth, um, you know, ultimately expand my contributions. And, you know, without this more fluid aspect of myself, you know, it doesn't change like some of the roles again, right? Like I hope wife and mother are forever roles. I really do, you know, <laughs> um, you know, daughter, I'll still be a daughter even when my parents are no longer with me physically. But, you know, I think there is also this whole other list of things that I get to be and do and try and, um, and well, experiment with is what you're saying, right? Like you're podcasting now and you, you seem to love it. Um, and guess what? When you're done with it, you can be done with it, right? And yet, you know, it still had a lot of value and it took its form and then you get to, you know, reshape what's ever next. I think my, my biggest lesson, um, hardship where I suffered the most is um, around this, around roles is one, um, not recognizing myself when I, you know, when I stopped recognizing myself, meaning what I did, who I was, was a little bit more tied into um, the where I was, what was expected of me, right? What had served me before. And so I really held on too long to roles, um, whether it be jobs or, you know, even in other contexts, relationally or otherwise. So that created suffering. And then the other is just, you know, my best boss, my first boss said, you can have it all, Renee, just not at the same time. And I was like, what? <laughs> of course I can, you know? What I didn't realize is like, and you don't want to because you don't get to enjoy it, right? You don't get to savor it. You don't get to truly kind of be with it and, and really like be selfish with it. Instead, you're just spread so thin that you're just, you know, barely playing any of your roles well. Um, so I, su I suffered a lot and I decided five years ago I wasn't going to do that anymore, at least willingly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's so interesting when we decide that this is the role that we are and this has, like you said, served me in the past and this is what's expected as of me. And, you know, this is this is where I am physically. This is where I am in my relationship, emotionally, mentally. This is, you know, this is where I am and this is what I do. And I'm going to just dig my heels in more and more. That's what creates that suffering when we're not listening to the internal or we're not listening to our, you know, our inner knowing. Um, and it's, it's so profound when, when that hits you it, and when it, you're able it, to make that change. And for me, I couldn't necessarily um, make all the changes I wanted to staying on the inside for two reasons. One, as I felt the call, I was supposed to leave, you know, and really work in different contexts and industries and, and cultures. But I also, um, I just... I needed to believe that I could be successful doing something else, right? Like I had to recreate myself as an external person without the identity of a company or a job title, right? Or a pay structure. Um, so that's hard work, you know, it's not for the faint at heart, but goodness, if you have it in you and you know, you have enough support around you and you've been reflective enough to know, you know, go for it and, you know, be brave. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You, you know, you try something else. I know that sounds a little cliche, but, and it's not for everybody. Some people really can't leave, right? They can't afford the financial instability or other things. And I see you and I hear you and I get it. Um, and when you can, yeah, you know, go for it. <laughs> if that changes for you, um, the world needs you. And if not you, then who? And if not now, then when is one of my favorite quotes. I love that, Renee. You are like just so wise. I'm. I feel so honored to be talking to you and to be, you know, trying to drink in some of this knowledge that you're sharing with us today. Um, you are an, absolutely an incredible speaker. I mean, I I can feel you like witnessing our listeners who are not even here, and I can I can feel you just loving, you know, anyone around you, and that's it's so important as a leader and as a healer, which you are, you know, and as you know, um, a thought leader and doing all of these things that you're doing, spreading this knowledge to be empathic and to be honest with yourself and with everybody around you. I mean, to, to see them and to witness them, it's, it's huge. And so many people just don't have that. And so to, you know, to encourage people in the way that you do is it's really an incredible thing to be in the presence of. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I feel honored to even really, and I, maybe that's something around roles too, like to see myself as a healer. I mentioned that's sort of the one role where it's like, Ooh, um, but we're all healers in, in our work in the world because we're all capable of, um, really contributing to our own lives, of course, but contributing to the goodness, the richness, you know, the, the aspirations of other humans around us. Each of us are like I, best book, leadership book I read is leadership is not a title. Um, and I remember it was early in my leadership career and it was like, oh, this, it's an honor, it's a service. Um, and my, again, my best boss taught me that pretty early on. So I feel blessed for that. I like that. Um, I'm. I'm excited because the book that you just referenced earlier, Lean In by, is it um, 
Cheryl. Cheryl Sandberg, right? Mm -hmm. I literally put that on my list for to read in 2021 um, today. Uh, so I'm excited. I will add leadership is not a title to, to the list as well. Um, but yeah, um, you know, being in service to others, it has come up so much in my last like year of, of books I've read. Um, just that like that is what that is what makes that's what is our legacy right is being of service to others sharing our story sharing our gifts with the world with the people around us and you know if if being a healer is one of your gifts please 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 share it with the world um you know it, it makes us feel better too when you hold the door open for somebody when you give somebody a gift for no reason when you share your gifts your emotional gifts when you connect with somebody more deeply than they've had with anyone recently you know when you are honest with yourself and with others like it that is a gift your existence your presence is a gift and we just we have so much to offer to serve others and and that is what you know, makes us human. Mm. One of my clients last week, um, he's doing a, a leadership course and I don't know the context. I'm guessing maybe they're thinking about leaders in their life or people that have influenced their life. And Maya Angelou has a quote, um, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Um, and he just sent a note, that's what I got from you. I was like, oh, you know, that's he. That's healing to ha to have someone else feel fully seen and heard and encouraged in whatever it is they're up to. You know, I think us as in this field of being, you know, coaches and, and team development consultants, like that's that's the privilege. You know, that's in my world. That's the privilege to be able to come into an organization or a group of people, you know, some of whom you're meeting for the first time, and to offer um, grace, right, and to offer um, support and objectivity and curiosity and appreciation and, you know, just to leave them feeling better than they did before you arrived. And, you know, as in a consultant, I dip in and out and I thought that was going to be really hard for me to sort of dip in and then mostly dip out. Right. And be like, mm -hmm. okay, good luck with that. But what that just did, I just find I make the most of whatever moments I have with them. And, that is what's important. And if I get to work with them again, wonderful. And if I don't, that's okay too. So yeah, it's, it's pretty yummy work. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So that's a little bit on roles and now for relationships. So you were saying, um, you know, the health and well-being of our relationships um, and kind of figuring out, I think, where you are at in your relationships. I, I, I'm guessing with others, but also with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I mentioned my relationships, particularly as a wife and a mother um, and a daughter. I would say those three in particular have developed to me spiritually the most because they, those relationships require me to constantly um, balance, you know, a giving and a receiving, to constantly balance um, love with disappointment, right? To constantly balance my own expectations with what it is they're up to and what they want, right? So that, that sacrifice piece of it. And, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I get to 
do that work with those people and, um, you know, be both my best and my worst self, be both my light and my dark, you know? So for me, those are my sort of core. I'd say that second layer of relationships for me is uh, my girlfriends. Um, I mentioned I had three older brothers. So I grew up with a lot of boys around me and I um, really fell into the power of women in community in college when I joined a sorority and I really got to feel what it's like to be in deep community with other women. And um, so a lot of my work in the world is around creating space for that for other women. And, you know, surprisingly today, lots of women have never done an all women's, you know, circle or been part of a sorority or a part of a nonprofit that's dedicated to women. So just this um, this piece of work around women and relationships is big for me. And then I'd say that third layer is my clients, my colleagues, my community members, you know, people that I engage with, plan with, dream with, um, also a balance of give and take. But, you know, my relationship with them, what it requires of me, what it develops in me is different. And so for me in this work and what I bring to my work with clients, of course, my women's work as well, but in general and at my retreats is this idea of where are you in the context of your relationships? Are you clear who your most important people are? Are you clear, you know, what's expected of you? What expectations you have of them? Is there a healthy amount of giving and receiving? Are you willing to sacrifice, to compromise, to let go, to give in? Um, do you have good boundaries? Um, at work, at home? Um, do you treat yourself the way that you want others to treat you? Um, so those are all the types of questions and reflections that I bring up in this space. And I think what happens as a result is that people do get reflective and sometimes sad. Um, I think the challenges are different for each of us. You know, some really have uh, you know, issues with trust or vulnerability or really letting people in, you know, others early on learned that they had to be a certain way in order to be, you know, a, approved of or to be welcomed in. Um, and others, you know, frankly, just have too many relationships, they can't give enough to each of them to have them thrive, right. So again, this is another space, it's, it's your unique blueprint. But, you know, for me, my relationships make the world go round, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be much without them. And so um, they're, you know, a very important emphasis and a, another piece of a place of joy and also a place of, of work and growth. Yeah, it's so true. Um, I was taking a self-development class last fall, uh, last summer, and then again, last fall, a second, um, you know, tier of it. And one of the uh, leaders teaching the course said something, somebody said something about, um, you know, it's always my mother's fault or it's always my boyfriend's fault or it's always something, something, but it was, you know, deflecting the responsibility onto the other person. And she was like, yeah, wouldn't life be so much easier without the people? Wouldn't it just be, wouldn't we be just so happy without anyone else? And it just like, it was such a moment of clarity where I'm like, yeah, if your relationships are garbage, like what is life truly? Like you can't, just let your relationships go to garbage, go to trash, because what are you living for then? You know, what's the point of going to work if you aren't happy when you get home from work? Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot really to unpack there, but I, I want to kind of keep us on track, but I, I want to like 
people to really reflect on that, on, on the importance of our relationships. Um, and I definitely want to, you know, thank you for the clarity, just making that really clear, um, you know, that we do need to become aware of our relationships. And, and what a gift that you have this, you know, family comes first, then friends, then work, kind of like in that order, that's very, you know, intentional. Obviously you've chosen that, that is by design. Um, it's not lucky. Uh, and what a gift it would be if more of us were able to choose the relationships in our life that are most important. Not everybody wants, you know, their only or number one relationship to be with their boss. And some people do live like that. And mm -hmm. is it sustainable? You know, something to, to think about, something to reflect on. Well, we're, you know, we're kind of told that now I have two teenagers, right? And so I'm very um, interested in who they choose because, you know, oftentimes we, we are a product of who we kind of hang out with and spend time with and not just because their identity becomes a blended identity, um, particularly when we're younger. And that could be at a company level, right? Like, oh, you work for them, right? And all of a sudden, all of these attributes get put on you as a person of that organization or that community or that religion or that race. I mean, this happens. This is inherent in our humanness that we categorize ourselves. But, you know, a category that we should pay, I, I believe we should pay great care and attention to is the is the quality of our relationships and again that kind of who who am i who are you who are we together and who do we get to be by being in relationship and you know i had a um my parents grew up um well, i grew up in the 70s and 80s a big self-help generation my parents were like big gurus and all of that and john gray he wrote uh, men are from mars women are from venus became a good family friend of ours. I've interviewed him a few times. He's written, you know, I don't know, over 40 or 50 or maybe a hundred books, but he had said, you know, he was just this really clear idea of who we get to be in relationship, but more importantly, this idea that it is about um, mutual giving and receiving, you know, it is about um, embracing differences, you know, and making those work for you. It is about, being open to the possibility of a per another person changing. Um, and so you get to be that too. You get to change and evolve and you don't get to be the, be the same either. But I think the more we can lead with that as a, that's what it's about, right? Growing and evolving together in relationship, then, you know, the more, um, the more apt we are to, to choose people who serve, serve us in that way and vice versa. Does that make sense? It absolutely does, yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved something that you said um, a few moments ago, just about, you know, with the balance, the giving and the taking, um, you know, the, the people that you choose, you were talking about your family, I think, in, in this specific instance, but you were saying, understanding that the relationship will come with both love and disappointment and having to, you know, manage your own expectations, um, but that at the end of it, you get to be your most whole self, your dark and your light. And I think that that is very much lost with um, in in my generation and and growing up with the internet. And you know, I'm 31, so the internet, you know, in my house showed up when I was like 10, and it was very monitored and it was really crappy. Um, you know, for the first eight years or so of it through high school, and then it started to be more of a thing in college. 
with this, um, you know, the constant comparison and the, the really like superficial knowing of what's going on in your neighbor's house instead of just outside of it. Um, and I think people, because we so often only see the highlight reel, we think that some relationships don't have darkness. And if it looks okay on the outside, which, you know, isn't a new concept, but if it looks okay on the outside, then who cares what's going on underneath? But at the end of it, you care what's going on underneath because again, we are all human. So you can, you can have on as much armor as you like and, and pretend all day up and down the wall that, you know, if it looks happy, then you're happy. If you're making money, then you're happy. But when you really dig deep, like, do you get to be your darkest self and your most light? Do you get to sacrifice for one another? And like you said, you know, be equal in the relationship. You get to be equal in the relationship. Um, mm -hmm. I, I read something, oh, I can't remember what book it was from, um, but it was, you know, in a relationship, it's not 50-50, it's 100 and 100. Mm -hmm. Amen, yep or at least your willingness, right? To be in it in that way. That's a, just a mindset that you hold, right. or you, you stop taking count, right? Like, well, did he make me dinner? Did I do, you know, is he romantic? Why should I be romantic? Right. That's a very fundamental example, yeah. Well, you reminded me too, like John Gray, one of the tools he used, he called it love tanks. And so early in my life, I, I got to give, was really given permission to have like as many love tanks as I needed, right? Like I had one maybe for my intimate relationship, one with my parents, my friends, my work, my spiritual practices, right? But the point was like not any one person, one group of people, one job, you know, cannot fill them all. And the minute we over depend on any single person or, you know, experience or role in our life, right? Then we just, we end up disappointed because it's, impossible for anyone on the outside to fill all of our needs. And so I learned that very young. And I think probably where that has unfolded for me most is in my friendships. I have like my girlfriends from all walks of life in different parts of my life. And I, they all say like, wow, you have so many different deep friendships in different parts of your life over time. How did you do that? How do you make time? Um, and I was like, huh? Yeah, I do but that's it. I invest. I make the time. I reach out. I touch in. I, you know, if I'm going, I'm going to see my brother next week, my girlfriend lives there. Hey, I'm happy to come out two days earlier. Can we spend some time together? Right. I have no problem initiating that, but it is work and it is time. And, and it, it's important to me because I know how much my relationships fulfill me. I know how much they unfold really who I am at my deepest, most important parts of me. Um, and without them, I'm, I'm lonely and I don't want to be lonely. <laughs> um, I don't want anyone to feel lonely, um, at least for long bouts of time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Learn what you need to in your loneliness and then remember that we need each other. We need humans and community for sure. Yeah. Um, that was a really great segue to the final one, um, which is rituals, because you know that if you invest in these relationships or you know that you want to invest in these relationships, 
but you also give yourself the time to do the things that you need to do, the self-care things and the rituals um, that make it so that you are able to or available to to come and to show up for those relationships and to be, you know, this best version of yourself. Um, and the ritual, I mean, without too much more of an explanation on it has been for sure the most important one for me, or maybe not the most important. I think they're all equally important. Um, <laughs> but something that has been super, super important for me in my life is just realizing that, um, you know, I am in many ways very extroverted and, and also need relationships and need um, you know, the fulfillment that comes from other people and, 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 and giving and taking in those relationships, but that when I don't take a few minutes to myself, um, every single day, at least a few minutes, but also like every so often, a, a couple of days to myself or, you know, in a small, small group, a small intimate setting, um, I just do not recover in the same way. And, and sometimes it's not great, you know? Sometimes the dark places last a week or two weeks or a month, and it used to be much longer. Um, and so identifying that that ritual has to be part of my life, it has to be part of my routine, um, or, or I notice, you know, the difference. I notice the way that I show up differently. And you at 31, right? You learned that because you had a you had a dark chapter, a darker chapter. And so you're like, oh, what what is there for me to learn? Like you, you are a beautiful example. I remember in our first call, it just struck me like, oh yeah, pain and hurt happens. But it's it's not um, you know, it's in me to learn from it and pull from it and to um, be can actually instead of shut down to future pain to open myself up to more pain in the future, you know, <laughs> it is that kind of like I can do this and there's beauty in it. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. I mean, the rituals for me do, they're my grounding points. They're my like things that I can count on as my roles evolve and change, as my relationships evolve and change, my rituals get to be more stable, you know, and more um, something that I can count on in that, are, you know, for the most part are more in my control in a way, um, you know, but for goodness, right? Not just for the sake of having something I can control, but that's how, when I talk about rituals, it may, it's, it may not be in the traditional like religious ritual, right? It could be, but, um, but really it's those things that I can count on that nourish me, that anchor me, that reground me, that keep me whole, that keep me healthy. Um, and so, you know, I mentioned my weekends with girlfriends, that's always been important for me, um, retreating, going to retreats, running retreats, exercise, working out, um, self-care. I get monthly massages, not now, but, you know, in, in general, I go to my weekly chiropractor appointment. You know, I even get my teeth cleaned every six months, right? Like there's those things that I can count on um, to keep me well. Um, gratitude as a practice, reading. I love what you said. As a practice, I always have a book. I almost always have a coach, some coach right now, I have a business coach. Uh, and then I'd say the biggest ritual that maybe um, I've named a ritual, which is different, is is travel. And it really has become more than a family hobby. It is our ritual. We go to new places, we experience new things, and never than when we are traveling are we closer, you know, and more in touch with each other and more present. And so, you know, that is, I have a, a blog called Travel Moments with Kids, where I just, it's really just for fun to just encourage more parents to travel with kids. But 
you know, I name this as our family ritual. And uh, part of it is about me wanting my children to be members of a bigger world and to be good and honest and open, you know, world citizens. But, you know, it's also just, I love it. <laughs> it's, it keeps me open. It keeps me curious. It keeps me guessing. Um, and it also, you know, keeps me out of my day-to-day -day troubles, you know, focusing too much on the harder stuff. I think travel is, you know, a, sh a shift in perspective immediately. Um, sight, sound, taste, and touch. Absolutely. Um, and I've I've never heard travel as a ritual before. That's really, really interesting and such a different way to look at it as like it's this necessary thing because I think a lot of other, you know, countries and other cultures, it it is, you know, it is very much ingrained and a necessary part of their life and of their year. Um, I think in the U.S. because of our go, 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 do, 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 um, you know, mindset and culture that a vacation feels very much like a just a vacation. I'm just going to veg. I'm just going to lay on the beach. Um, you know, and I figured that out in myself a couple of years ago that my vacations were too far and few between, few and far between, <laughs> um, and that I really didn't love laying on a beach or going to a, an, you know, all-inclusive resort, but those were the vacations that I took because that's what I thought you were supposed to do, you know, and that's what it seemed like people were doing, and that wasn't for me, and I wasn't getting filled by that, and my, my love tank and my recovery wasn't happening. It wasn't being filled during these vacations. It was you know, going to museums and traveling and seeing, you know, ancient architecture and seeing, you know, seeing the stories and talking to the people. And even if they weren't these extravagant vacations, but just ex extracting yourself from your normal life. And like you said, that immediate perspective shifts. Um, and it is, it is immediate. And it doesn't have to be to another country. It doesn't have to be to the other side of your country, you know, it can be a couple towns over, it can be an hour trip, um, you know, just being somewhere else, that little bit, you know, of change really changes you. You, you just, exactly, and it changes you on a cellular level, you know, it's, it's allowing yourself to be in awe and allowing yourself to change your mind about what you thought something or someone or some place was about and just being in the moment. Um, and again, I love, I mean, yes, we all have different ways to travel, but you know, in the relationship for me, my travel as my ritual is like that thing I can always count on to expand me. Um, you know, like the massages, the things I can always count on to feel good, right? To help me rest or my girlfriends, the thing I can count on to just laugh and play and dance and eat, you know? So, you know, I always encourage women and men like have a healthy set of rituals again those things that you can count on that you can make happen or not make happen and allow them to to nourish you with their predictability in a way you know their um the role they play in my life is is that it's like those things that i can count on that i know are coming and it can be rituals around holidays right around traditions those are more typical those are all wonderful as well but you know what else would you like to create in your life that is recurring, you know, and, and something that you get to look forward to and be with fully and enjoy, you know, without any guilt or, or, or regret. Yeah, I was kind of just reflecting on that for a moment and thinking about that, um, you know, if 
for so many people, the holidays are very stressful, but what if you treated the, you know, what if you were able to categorize the holiday as a nourishing part of you, as a ritual that is meant to nourish you? What if you worked on those relationships and, you know, that family time, whether it's your immediate family or, um, you know, the big family or your chosen family or whatever have you, um, you know, what a difference in perspective that turns that situation into and therefore what a different experience it becomes overall. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I could talk to you for a hundred years, but I see that my, <laughs> my timer is going to go off here soon. So I'm going to have to cut it short, but I honestly, I, I want to go to one of your retreats. Um, I definitely want to turn all my listeners on to all of your information. Um, but do you have any final thoughts for us? Any final words of wisdom? Hmm. No, I mean, we covered so much. I, I, I was like looking at the specific questions and I was like, we answered all of those questions. Okay. Oh, good. Um, no, I just, you know, you, you think about women's empowerment mini series, you know, that a lot of our power comes from within our power comes and shifts over time. You know, power is a dynamic substance, right? It's, it's an energy and to be empowered is something that we uh, often can choose for ourselves. And other times we do have to, you know, fight for it and that's okay too, because we have it in us. And so, you know, to live our most empowered life is a custom design. So, you know, you could, hopefully you, this gives you some sort of framework around, you know, roles, relationships, and rituals to sort of look at what a fully empowered alive life, your best life would look like for you. But ultimately my wish just that you choose it, you know, and it's a life of your making and that you enjoy it. You know, the good, the bad, the light, the dark and everything in between. That's my wish. I love it. It is a beautiful, beautiful wish. I hope that everybody listening um, can take something away from this. I, I can't tell you enough how honored I feel to have had this conversation with you. Um, and I'm so grateful for you doing the work that you are doing um, and lighting the world up. Uh, with this fire inside of you. You are an incredible human being. Where can everybody find you, Renee? Um, I have two websites, actually. Um, one is reneedeneen.com, and the other is Authentic In Action, one word, I-N-A-C-T-I-O-N, which is my concept of my TED Talk, which is that that's pause, that space between our choice between to do and not do. And really like what's the authentic inaction if I do nothing right now, but sit, reflect, listen, and choose, right? So it's a practice. And I have tons of resources there. My Instagram page is Renee M. Deneen. Um, I just wrote a book called, or not wrote, uh, co-authored a book called The Art and Truth of Transformation for Women. So you can find me on Amazon. So LinkedIn, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I'm going to link those websites. I'm going to link the Instagram. If they want a LinkedIn, you guys reach out to me or Renee directly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thank I'm you not, so much. Kidding. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, they'll be able to find you if they need you. Um, thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough. Um, and I will talk to you very soon. All right. Thanks so much for inviting me, Liz. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz Without a Pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. 
we would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.